0: Welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game.
1: And Let's see if that... that story bites us back. My name is Henry. This is episode 224. Thanks for listening.
0: I think a coup has just happened. My kid has taken mm-hmm. over the show. Uh, my name is Bill. I'm here too. Welcome back, to everybody. How you been, Henry? Good. It is May. Mm-hmm. We are still deep in the midst mm-hmm. of the pandemic. Henry is still not in school.
1: I am an actual business person, though.
0: Henry is a business person. The art business is. I
1: sold a picture.
0: He's painting a a rosy outlook. He has made a sale. Yeah. Big shout out to Dave. He of the one of the co-hosts of uh, Champa and Klein, the Knight Rider years. He reached out and purchased an awesome one of the one of your. uh, You have many awesome pictures, but I think he chose a particularly awesome one.
1: I'm pretty sure it's. Called the Checkerboard Mutant.
0: The Checkerboard Mutant. Those pictures are still up on Instagram. Go look for those posts. <laughs> see if there's anything you like. And uh, we'd be happy to sell you a print as well. So, again, thanks, Dave, uh, for doing that.
1: And the store is going to... I'm going to add something new to the store.
0: Oh, uh, new, new products so coming, guys.
1: There's only one new product, but it comes in a pack of a lot of products.
0: <clears throat> cool. So, do you want to... Do you want to preview what that is, or do you want to wait until later?
1: I'm making an ad. Okay. I made an ad in my head just now. Hold on, now. guys. Okay, hey. shut up. Okay.
0: Wow. All right.
1: Do you know Pokemon? Do you know my cards that I'm making that I don't know what to call them? They're out my store real soon. So go check it out. That's my ad.
0: So they are like Pokemon cards. Yeah. All right. But
1: n- But to but be to be
0: clear for legal reasons, they are not Pokemon cards. Not.
1: I just got the idea of making uh, uh, making my own of my own trading card from YouTube and other trading cards like like Pokemon and another one that's anime trading cards that I still don't can remember the name. But oh well.
0: All right. Well, more on that as it develops. But right for right now, uh, hmm. the art prints are still available if you'd like to check those out. Are we done selling things for right now?
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm done talking about stuff. I still want to sell stuff, but I'm done talking about it for <laughs> right now.
0: Okay. So, uh, I don't really have any news to report this week. Uh, the pandemic is still a thing. We're all still more or less inside for you the most to- part.
1: Even if the pandemic, even if the pandemic ends before school, and this school year is over. Technically, we don't go, we don't have to go back to school because they already, they already decided that we're not going back to school this year.
0: Yeah, the school, so school year's even
1: over. The so. pandi- after all the coronavirus cases just like suddenly stop and there's no coronavirus left in the world, before the end of the school year, we're still not going back to school because they, because they. Already decided that we're that they closed that they basically ended the school year early. So yeah.
0: So yeah, that's a thing that's happening. All right.
1: Well, it already happened.
0: Yes. All right. So should we talk about this week's game? Sure. This week's game is Beam Rider from Activision. We do love <laughs> some Activision here on Except the podcast. Except
1: not riding or having, Well, kind of have some... There's kind of stuff about beams, but you're not riding anything. Yes. But the, um, but the, like, what is it, like the cover, the game thing? This thing? Yeah, that. Here,
0: here, everybody. Can you see in the back? All
1: right. Yeah, what is that called?
0: What is what called? This. Well, uh, first of all, this is an Activision game from 1983. But we're Um, playing
1: on the flashback.
0: Yeah, we're we're. Doing e rules don't
1: apply to us.
0: In my in my continuing quest to go through the Activision flashback, or rather the flashback games in alphabetical order, um, we're playing Beam Rider. The manual he's look. What we're looking at is it. It's really just like a, um, a futuristic space building kind of thing. Lots of lights uh, and windows and things. <coughs> and then uh, the. Floor, the ground. It's like futuristic. There are kind of like beams of light. I guess that's the <coughs> beam part, maybe. Uh, I don't know. Looks um,
1: like a st- Looks like New York in like in like 3053.
0: Maybe. So we're told by way of backstory on this game, the Restrictor Shield, 99 sectors deep, now surrounds the Earth. You are the Beam Rider on a mission to clear the shield. There, you must demolish an onslaught of alien. Fr- frights as you dodge from beam to beam. Sector after sector, the deluge deepens. Henry's right. Uh, I guess at the outset, there's nothing really that screams beam or riding in this game, I guess.
1: The, or the laser beam. The laser beams, that like the grid thing. Not like the grid, but the lines.
0: Yeah, well, it laser. is kind of a grid, I guess, that you're you traveling call over.
1: Lasers or laser beams. Yeah, I guess beams. there's... It just depends on what you I
0: guess work. so. When you're looking at the screen, I mean, this is we kind of mentioned this in the field report. There are beams of light, I guess, that kind of move down the screen.
1: Beams of light.
0: Or that not what you're shooting. You're shooting lasers, but the what you're moving or over.
1: torpedoes. Yeah, lasers are or torpedoes. Torpedoes. Th- so. <sighs> which only three of them. But Dad didn't tell me first time I played, and then ran out of torpedoes and lost.
0: To be fair, you said, "Can I try this?" And I said, "Sure." You well, had...
1: you, you were reading the directions too slow.
0: <laughs> you didn't say you wanted to hear all the directions first.
1: <clears throat> well, you started reading it when I started playing. Whatever. And then you you kept reading all the directions, so you were
0: slow. So this amuses me. I'm looking at the instructions here, speaking of the instructions. And under the initial setup, it says, put the cartridge in, of course, or turn on your flashback. And then step two is, 2600 users, skip to number 10. I'm not going to do that, though.
1: Because you're not playing on 2600 because rules don't apply That's
0: rules. right. As Henry said, rules don't apply to We're us.
1: We're bad boys.
0: <laughs> so in the not 2600 rules, it says uh, level. Of, select a level of difficulty by pressing the corresponding number on the keypad. Level 1, you start at sector 1. What level keypad? 2, you start at sector 5. And level 3, you start at sector mm-hmm. 10. See, that goes back to the fact, Henry, and I didn't mention this. This, as I understand it, Is a game that was originally programmed for the Intellivision. You remember our Intellivision? It's got that that controller with the keypad on it. No. Well, trust me, it does. Um, Oh. Is it it
1: the console that we played the toy baseball on? Yeah.
0: Well, a television baseball. That reminds me.
1: Well, a television is a toy thing.
0: Yeah, that reminds me. Uh, We're in uh, almost the middle of May here. Just uh, a, a programming note. Intellivision month is coming up.
1: When uh, is Intellivision month?
0: Every Sunday in June, we play television games, so look forward to that. I'm not going to tell you the games yet. You just got to wait and find out, but uh, uh, that's coming. So I will go ahead and skip to instruction number 10, as instructed. On the 2600, press reset, and move the joystick, to start the action. Laser lariats, which may be the first time I've ever, ever seen the word lariat in where an Atari manual. Mean? Kind of like a beam or uh, uh, I think of it more with like rope, like a lasso or something, uh, are fired by pressing the red button. To fire the torpedoes, push the joystick forward. This is one of those games where you shoot by moving the joystick, which is always confusing. Use the left. You
1: shoot the torpedoes using the joystick, but you shoot the regular pew-pews using the button.
0: Yes. So you use the left difficulty switch to select the 2600 level of difficulty. A is advanced, B is basic. Turn the power off before removing the cartridge, Henry.
1: We don't have a cartridge. Because we don't have a cartridge. Because rules are not part to us.
0: <laughs> Whenever your ship is destroyed or when you complete a sector, you will re- uh, rerun, or re- sorry, you will return via glory, hyperspace to the space station. This is Peanuts. Because <laughs> I said rerun? Yeah. Uh, Lucy and Linus' little brother. If you're interested in he's Peanuts. He's my
1: favorite character in Peanuts. He's pretty good.
0: And Lucy and Linus Tell you what Check out my other show It's a podcast Charlie Brown Alright When you're ready to continue In Beam Rider Move the controller stick up The hatch doors <laughs> will open And you'll be on your way The space station does not appear In the 2600 version Maybe it was a, a Contractual thing <clears throat> I don't know
1: I have I had an idea
0: oh Henry has an idea I to make
1: this Even better
0: If someone has it's A called, jingle for Henry's ideas
1: Let me know It's called Beam Rider So You should have a spaceship and you should be riding down a road made out of like laser beams or whatever or whatever beam you want
0: whatever beam and, you want
1: and then you're just going straight down down like the straight beam uh-huh. laser beam whatever and you only control like the turret or the, like a gun whatever you shoot the laser and torpedo out of and like the alien spaceships that are trying to attack you are staying still and you're the only one and you're and your spaceship thing is the only thing that's moving. Even though it seems like the alien spaceships that are attacking you are moving, the, the only thing that's moving is you. <clears throat> and while you're moving, you have to shoot the alien spaceships that are staying still as you're riding down a beam.
0: I like that. You should learn how to program and make that game, Henry.
1: Well, it's called an animation. Ah, okay. It's called animation. Animation. Got animated and an actual game designer. Uh, I could do all the animation.
0: Okay. So there are 15 enemy saucers in each sector. They all must be destroyed before you can go on to the next. Every time a saucer is hit, the number in the upper left corner of the screen (laughs) will count down by one. When all 15 white enemy saucers have been destroyed in a sector, their sentinel ship will cruise across the top of the beams. Only a torpedo can destroy it. Lazy la- laser lariats are only effective against certain invaders. Torpedoes will destroy the first object they meet on a beam. You are only given 3 torpedoes per sector. Mm. Use them sparingly. They are your only weapon against the sector sentinel. Occasionally yellow rejuvenators float across the beam. Matrix, allow them to land on your deck and as each connection will add a bonus ship to your fleet.
1: You use them them land? Yeah. Oh,
0: I just I, know, I didn't tell you that either. If you shoot or torpedo a rejuvenator by mistake, it will turn red from the heated mm. blast. Get out of the way! Exclamation point. The wreckage will destroy you on contact. With the first swing of your laser lariat, the white enemy saucers approach. But there's more. As you progress through the re- uh, restrictor shield, a sinister collection of aliens will materialize. A new danger is added with every other sector. Up to sector ten, I or sixteen, 72. rather. Yeah, without knowing anything about the game. Just picking it up and playing it. There are 16 sectors in all, ranging from Sector One, White Enemy Saucers, to Section 16, Sector 16, 16 Magnetic Mines. Oh, sorry, those are not in the 2600 version.
1: What version are they in?
0: Uh, other versions, other than the 2600. Flashback. No, the flashback game that we have is at the 2600 version.
1: No, but is the the that thing that's not in 2600 version in the flashback version?
0: No, that's what I'm saying. The flashback version is the 2600 version. Oh. Only vulnerable objects are affected by laser lariats, the, meaning the saucers and chirpers are destroyed. Chargers and zig bombs are deflected. Everything else can only be dodged or in extreme cases torpedoed. Magnetic mines will pull you over unless you keep moving. Keep moving the control stick in the direction opposite the mine. But of course you won't have to worry about that in the 2600 version. Points are scored each time an enemy saucer, chirper, ship, or sector sentinel is destroyed. Point values increase as you progress to higher sectors. The exact point value for each hit appears in red, briefly replacing your score the moment an enemy craft is destroyed. On the Clico version only. If you destroy the sector sentinel, you get an additional bonus for each ship in your fleet. Join the Activision Beam Riders. Beam Riders are a breed of their own, part warrior, part astronaut, and part daredevil. If that sounds like you, huh, man, that totally sounds like me. And if you made it to Sector 14 with a score of 40,000 points or more,
1: 40,000?
0: Yeah. Join the club. Join what club? The Beam Riders.
1: Oh, <laughs> is that club still around?
0: Man, I Probably hope so. Not. Send us a photo of your TV screen showing your sector and score along with your name and address, and we'll send you the emblem that will identify you. Yes, you, Henry, as an official Beam Rider. It says right there. Yes, you, Henry. Just kidding. <laughs> it doesn't say that. <laughs> Be sure to write Beam Rider and your score on the bo- uh, bottom corner of the envelope. Includes. Indicate Coleco or 2600. As always, if anyone was a was or is a beam rider, let me know. Tips from Dave Rolfe, designer of Beam Rider. Dave Rolfe is a seasoned <laughs> software designer with an academic, academic background in engineering and computer science. In his spare time, he can be found bicycling or listening to rock and roll. <laughs> Greetings from sector 26 and moving. If you want to make it to the other sectors, pay attention to these tips. Maintain precise control by learning to tap the control stick to move your ship a single beam at a time, and stay near the center beam so you won't get boxed into a corner with nowhere to run. What's the matter, Henry? He just uh, huffed in an exclamation of something. Yeah.
1: I looked at the beam article on on the age website. Yeah. (laughs) The current high score is C. Polisley at 65,206 points, sector 21 plus 10 plus 1, which I don't know what the plus 10 plus 1 means.
0: See, Parsley, if you're listening, reach out and tell us how you managed to do that. That's pretty awesome. Dave Rolfe also advises that you can zap the white enemy saucers as early in their approach as possible, or you should do that. And check this out. You can hit them when they're slightly off the beam before they can drop their missiles. When you see a yellow rejuvenator, don't abandon all caution as you move to catch it or you'll likely wreck your ship an enemy object is blocking the rejuvenator you can use a torpedo to blast out of the way then catch the rejuvenator but remember you only have three torpedoes and they're your only weapon against the sector sentinel and while we're on the subject when the sentinel is about to approach don't sit on the beam you plan to shoot from green blockers will swarm it onto it simul- er, immediately instead wait on a beam you're not going to shoot from like the one nearest the sentinel's first sighting as soon as the blockers are blocked, are locked onto that beam, zip over to an unblocked beam and torpedo the ship.
1: But you can only stay on one beam.
0: Yeah. Last but not mm-hmm. least, take time to notice the enemy attack movements. They generally follow a pattern of motion that allows you to anticipate many of their moves. With practice, you'll be in the outer sectors before long. If you get too far out, come back to Earth for a while and drop me a line, because reading your letters is the next best thing to designing games. They even have a picture in here of Dave Rolfe, and Larry's whip, and that Henry, and all of you is how you play Beam Rider. You could find Beam Rider on the 2600, as I mentioned, although with a slightly, you know, a little bit fewer features. It was also it was originally made for the Intellivision. You could get it on the Atari 8-bit family, ClioVision, Commodore 64, ZX Spectrum, and MSX. This game was everywhere. The Deseret News in 1984 gave the Clico version of Beam Rider 3 stars, describing it as basically a slide-and-shoot space game. Your Commodore called the Commodore 64 version of the game a really good, wholesome arcade zapping game. Who, who doesn't like zapping stuff, really? 8Bit Central says Beam Rider is an interesting game that takes the standard horizontal bottom shooter and adds a somewhat 3D element to the incoming foes. This linear look simulates 3D by making faraway objects smaller on the screen and enlarging them as they approach. And he thinks that for the time it's pretty well done. Some have compared the game to Tempest. This guy never com- uh, considered Beam Riders a functional Tempest clone for 2600. The Tempest prototype clearly demonstrated that the speed and large number of moving objects beloved in the arcade weren't going to cut it on the Atari 2600's limited horsepower. Beam Rider does well as a flattened single axis variant on Tempest, but the gameplay of the arcade hit is light years ahead of Beam Rider. The game itself can become repetitive, but it will keep your attention via its difficulty. Retro Games Review says the Beam Rider is a real evolution of the single screen shooter genre due to its wide range of hazards, staggered enemy additions, and in depth scoring system. The graphical style is very impressive and rather than being cosmetic, it creates a more immersive and claustrophobic atmosphere that complements the high-quality gameplay. Atari Proto says the restrictor shield is 99 sectors deep, so unless you have the reflexes of a cat and a lot of time on your hands, it's doubtful you'll ever see the ending. While it may not be true 3D, Beam Rider uses a nice perspective to give the illusion of 3Ds. The whole game looks like a flat version of Tempest. Beamrider may have been a mediocre game on more advanced systems such as the 5200 or ColecoVision, the 2600 version really pushes the system to its limits. 3D perspectives are almost impossible to do on the 2600, but somehow Dave Rolfe managed to pull it off. Alright, well, after the break, we get ourselves a beam, then we ride it. It's the Olympics. We're riding the beam like Simone Biles. She does things in the balance beam, right? I don't know, but oh wait, beam riders in space? Why didn't anybody tell me this? Seriously, how hard is it to write a memo? All right, we're playing beam rider. Henry's been playing it a little bit, and then he handed me the joystick, and he's like, "Here, you do this." So I don't know if that's a good sign or a bad sign. So we'll find out. Why do you no go?
1: Because that's press start. Press start. That's not start, that's the button. The start button's right there.
0: Oh, the flashback still confuses me. I like the cool, uh, you know, taking off sounds. It's an interesting looking game. I was a little thrown by all the lines crossing the screen, but of course, that's the beams. The titular the beams. Titular is a funny word. limited range with your laser. I can't shoot them when they're way up at the top.
1: Well, it does.
0: Ah, I walked right into it. Dang it. The ships don't really look like anything. Your ship is just kind of a yellow pyramid thing. Hey, come back. Once you shoot you, what do you think of the look of this game, Henry?
1: Eh,
0: eh, I have four left. Three, two. Dang it! I was about to get the sentinel ship and I walked right into a laser from a white ship I had already destroyed. How ironic is that? It's some sort of metaphor for life, I think. Back to you in the studio.
1: Hey everyone, this is Michael, one of the hosts
0: of the Atari XEGS Cart by Cart podcast. Do you like Atari? Of course you do. What about the 8-bit computer line? It was one of the best. Well, how about you consider joining Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review the cartridge-based games for Atari's 8-bit computer line. We also review budget games, which are mostly released only in the UK. But that's not all. We also dig up game history, share personal experiences, and perform questionable comedy. You'll get all of that and for free just by listening to us on either iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's xegs8bit.com. And when you're done listening, please send us your hate mail, because we really need the feedback so we know someone is tuning in. Hey, it's me, Bill, your host, the guy you've been listening to this whole episode. Do you enjoy the stories I write and read to you every week on this podcast, but you feel like you just need a break from my voice? I get it. My family does sometimes, too. Here's an option. Some of the stories from the show are now collected in a volume titled, Misery Banana, Very Short Stories Inspired by Old Games and Odd Thoughts. You can order it wherever you like to order books. I hope you'll check it out. Thanks. So here's the thing about Beam Rider. Henry, do we like Beam Rider? Yeah. Yeah? What do you like about it? Epic shrug right there. What don't you like about it? He's busy drawing his uh, trading cards right now. I think he's a little more focused on that than Beam Rider. Which one are you doing now?
1: The wizard staff.
0: Wizard staff. Cool. Mm. I don't know. I only played the game a little bit. I guess I don't like it or dislike it. I do have the sense that maybe it would get boring pretty quick. There are some interesting things. You know, you have to hold back your torpedoes, which is a good lesson for everybody. Hold back your torpedoes. You know, to save them for the sentinel. But I, I don't know. I guess I don't love this game, the little bit that I played it, but I don't hate it either. So, if any of you has any strong thoughts, because clearly I don't, about Beam Rider, let me know.
1: It's story time on Atari Bites. Yes, it's story time. Story, story, story time, with Bill.
0: Henry, do you have a story you'd like to tell? No. I do. Shocker. This week's story is titled, Essential Work. Burl Smith worked his way up through the ranks of Space Protection Force in an era of relative peace when many scoffed at the career choice. You're wasting your time, they'd say. Go into something meaningful, like medicine or the arts. Or politics. But now that the Earth was constantly bombarded by alien incursions, the Space Protection Force was more valuable than ever. Yet, still they scoffed. Hey, buddy, people would say sometimes when they spotted the SPF patch on his jacket. What good is a Space Protection Force here on Earth, anyway? Then they'd walk off chuckling as if they were the first to come up with that joke. The Space Protection Force arose decades ago out of the ashes of the Slurgon insurgents. The Slurgon visitors landed their sleek, silver-tube-shaped vessels in the San Fernando Valley, unannounced one afternoon. The squat beings with the wide faces seemed benign at first, until they weren't. The attack was unexpected and brutal. Eventually, the traditional military, aided by science and black-market alien weaponry, were able to defeat the Slurgon forces, barely. Space Protection Force soon became a thing. A great shield was erected a literal invisible cocoon around the Earth that still allowed the transfer of heat and light and sanctioned space vehicles, but denied access to all manner of alien life and technology that threatened our planet, or that we thought threatened our planet. As chief of daily operations, Smith was essentially a bosun, to use an old-timey seafaring phrase. A bosun is the crew member in charge of the deck, the equipment, the very hull of the ship. And much like scraping barnacles off a ship's hull, Smith was responsible for making sure no aliens were able to bond with and permeate the Earth's protective shell. Much of his time was spent in his office, but occasionally Smith would traverse the shell himself. It was peaceful up there. Best of all, he couldn't hear the taunts and the chants. Humans, it seems, have short memories. Years had passed since the Slurgon incursion, Peace had reigned, and people were questioning the need for such an expensive and inconvenient shield. Interstellar travel took a good 20 minutes longer, what with the extra security in the upper atmosphere. The gate swings both ways, doesn't it? Sneered the editorials on the newsfeeds. So is the gate meant to keep evil out, or keep us in? But then space. Question. Thank you, Henry. But then, Space Patrol forces started getting troubling reports. The Slurgon were starting to regroup. There were signs the Slurgon kingdom was developing new, deadlier weapons. There was little appetite to engage the Slurgons, though. The homeworld was far away. The intelligence was sketchy. The Slurgons had been defeated before. Surely they were no longer a threat. Then one day, the Slurgons came back. And they didn't just bring laser mortar shells of old. The humans would be ready for those. This time, they had plasma concussion grenades and what came to be ruefully called shield stunners. The Space Force was able to keep the shield around the Earth intact, but at tremendous cost. Many of Burl Smith's fellow soldiers perished. The Earth very nearly succumbed this time. But you wouldn't know it from the human reaction on the ground. "'Yeah, boy!' shouted drunken dude bros from the rooftops. The news stations captured hordes of screaming humans. Parades were organized, one after another, all over the world. Then the massacre started. Parades are just groups of people in one spot making a lot of noise. So it was easy for the Slurgun insurgents to slip in through the Earth shield cracks and infiltrate the city streets, shopping malls, and even hospitals, wherever the most people were and the plasma grenades could do their worst. The humans were frightened. They didn't see it coming and didn't know when it would come again. The space protection force was suddenly, desperately needed. The humans were grateful their neighbors and friends, brothers and sisters, in the force were out there protecting them. Stay down, the forces advised. Stay low. Keep a watchful eye out. Limit your time outdoors. Slurgon snipers were known to pick off unsuspecting humans as they walked to work, took their kids to school, did their weekly shopping. It was in everyone's best interest to abide by the Space Force recommendation. And the humans, so happy to be alive, listened. For a while. Once entrenched, the Slurgons were hard to remove. The Space Force would get the attacks under control in one region just to have more attacks spring up in another region. The death toll rose all overall. Some parts of the world, though, were relatively quiet, and they started to chafe at the idea of curfews and security measures at the entrances to their supermarkets, businesses, and houses of worship. Why should we stay home, they started to say. We're no more likely to get shot by a slurgon than we are to get hit by a bus. The difference, of course, was that the slurgons were attracted to crowds because they could pick off more victims. Curfews and and low crowd orders made it less likely that the snipers would come. After a while, though, some of the humans got tired of all these restrictions. Let us decide if we can go out. Human after human went on social media to declare, It's my choice where I walk. Other humans would counter, but the more of you individuals who make that choice are putting at risk the ones who don't have a choice. The Space Force and MedTechs, and that guy who finagles my flint flange. Finagling the flint flange is a complicated procedure, they deal with at this time in history that we need not discuss here. The debates were heated and passionate. Frustration, fear, and worry are a combustible combination that rivals even the strongest Slurgon missile. Smith tried to stay above it all, literally. Patching the holes in the Earth's shield was stressful, and a couple times he'd had to personally and solely disable one-man Slurgon vehicles as they penetrated weak points of the shield. Still, he'd rather be up here than down on the planet's surface with all that craziness. One morning, the elevators of the space station elevator slid open and Burl assistant, Jillick, rushed into headquarters. "'Did you hear?' she said, out of breath. "'They're ending the curfews. The interstellar gate is opening.' "'I heard,' Burl Smith said, his attention more focused on the game on his phone. "'Who knew they made a game about excavating cat poop in a litter box?' "'Well, what are we going to do?' Jillick said, gesturing at the space shield outside their window. "'Find the really stinky one,' Burl Smith said. "'It's worth fifty points.' Um, what? Jillick said. Never mind, Burl Smith said. He sat the phone down, frowning a little. Do? Then he chuckled. Do-do, that's funny. Timely, too. He closed the app on his phone. What? Jillick repeated. I just mean to answer your question, Burl Smith said. We'll keep doing what we always do. Our jobs. But won't that be harder now? Jillick said. Yup. Don't really care, huh? Jalik said. I care a lot, Burl Smith said. Just doesn't matter. The job's the job. Jalik nodded. Burl Smith hol- held up his phone. But first, can you tell the difference between cat poop and ferret poop? Hi. This is 8-Bit Rocket Jeff Fulton from the Into the Vertical Blank Growing Up Atari podcast. You're listening to the incomparable Bill and his wonderful stories, gameplay sessions, and just plain fun that he has with his Atari and sometimes in television systems here on the Atari Bytes podcast. We cover all things Atari from the 2600 through all the video game systems, computers, and more. Our first game system was the 2600, and we loved it. We still do. So when you want more Atari, come visit us in the vertical blank. And that's our show. Thanks to Kevin McLeod and Comptech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring. Thanks to my co-host, Henry. Thanks, Henry.
1: Yeah.
0: Thanks to Sean Courtney for the storytime theme. Like a laser beam, ride on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review of this show. Doing so will protect you from alien invasions. Maybe. I don't know. Email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. Like the show on our Facebook page. Follow the show on Twitter at AtariBytes. Or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. Also, check us out on Instagram. You can also call and leave us a voicemail. Henry and I are not going to answer the phone. But leave us a message about pretty much anything you want. 563-265-1978. And pretty good chance we'll play it on the show. We're waiting to hear from you. Check out the website, www.carnivalofgleecreations.com. What will you find there? All sorts of stuff. For example, social media, episode links, information about this podcast, Atari Bytes, and my other show, It's a Podcast, Charlie Brown. You can also find uh, information and links to just some of the places that you can buy my books, including Misery Banana, very short stories inspired by old games and odd thoughts, and all sorts of things of interest over there. So check out the website. You can pick up, still, go play some old games they've missed you, shirts and mugs, at zazzle.com slash ab underscore pod underscore store. Someday that store is going to get overhauled. And I know times are crazy right now, but if you are able and want to become a subscriber to the Atari Bytes Patreon project, here's what you'll get, Mm -hmm. possibly. Depending on what you contribute, you can get episodes early. Don't have to necessarily wait until Sunday. You can also possibly get bonus content. Stuff you don't hear about on the regular show, including our ongoing review of the weird cartoon series, Pac Man and the Ghostly Adventures. Talk
1: about that. When I was going through Netflix the other day, mm. I found, pa- found Pac Man um, Halloween thing. Uh, there, was pa- a, uh, there was
0: a Ghostly Adventures Halloween episode?
1: No, not an episode, Uh, movie. It was like a 45 minute movie
0: Well we'll have to remember that Maybe we can watch that for a Halloween bonus episode or something But that's the kind of stuff you can hear over there on the Patreon That you're not going to hear about here Mm -hmm. So if you can contribute, please do Shout out to these guys for already being Patreon supporters Michael Tyler, Jose Caseda, and Sean Courtney, and Aerospike You guys are great What else? Anything else we need to talk about before we wrap up the show, Henry?
1: No.
0: All right, all that's left is tell you what happens next time on Atari Bytes. We're playing a game called Champ Soccer. This is a thing I saw on the list on the flashback. I have no idea what it is, other than obviously it has something to do with soccer. So we don't will...
1: have nothing to do with soccer? <laughs> I think,
0: I think that would be awesome. If it turns out, it really doesn't have anything to do with soccer. It's like a space game or something. But we'll find out next week. So, until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you.